Welcome to Berenson Bond Podcast, episode five. So today, we have a very special guest. I'm going to start off by reading something that I had for you. So this was an article on NPR uh, recently, and it's regarding attention and empathy from dual language abilities. So I just took a little piece about empathy because I felt like that was the one that stood out to me. So it says, young children being raised bilingual have to follow social cues to figure out which language to use with which person and in what setting. So as a result, says Soros, bilingual children as young as age three demonstrate a head start, a head start on tests of perspective taking and theory of mind, both of which are fundamental social and emotional skills. So to follow up with that, I don't know if you follow Yuval Harari. Do you know, have you heard that name? No. Okay, so he's he's like a very big intellectual, a touring intellectual. He wrote three books. His most recent one was 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. He wrote one, um, Sapiens, and then Homo Deus. And just this month, his big thing is about AI increasing and being harder to get jobs in the future. Mm-hmm. And the short-sightedness of our educational system. He's saying, we're not teaching kids the right way. You're going to be so ill-prepared for the future if you don't change starting from when they're little. Um, so he said, this is this month on CBS, uh, what concerns Harari and many other experts is that schools aren't prioritizing or even teaching at all. The kind of emotional intelligence people will desperately need to do just that. He said it may be the first time in history we have no idea whatsoever how the job market will look in 30 years. Mm-hmm. So the best bet is to focus on emotional intelligence and mental stability and mental resilience. And um, he says with the current public school system, they're not scaling or thinking about it. And the big reason why I'm so happy to have you here is because you like he's saying this and telling he's concerned it's a worry he's letting everybody know but you've been teaching kids like this for 11 years now is it 11 years yeah i'm i'm gonna be 20 years actually in this in the education field as a teacher and as an active director um next year yeah okay so with the formal introduction today we have adriana rodriguez you're a wonderful, beautiful person, mother. You've been teaching young kids. You have such a deep understanding of education, a deep understanding of emotional intelligence, of f- four different accreditations at your school that are they're so hard to really grasp and understand that I'm happy you're here because you can't, they're so complicated, you can't just get it in an hour or even two. It's like each one is a whole conversation in itself. And I think a lot of people, in myself included, didn't really grasp how much you're doing until over time I'm, you know, overly impressed. So you made a big impact on our kids, on Diego and Sophia. You changed the way that I view education and they're on a different path because you exposed me to that. 
So thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you so much, first of all, for having me and welcome me here at your house and with uh, Diego. For me, it's an exciting moment to see a former student um, taking this uh, risk-taking role and um, kind of like give this war to the world and share um, like how educational experiences could be fundamental and crucial in life. And as educators, how best we can do to help them to be uh, better children for their lives. So, um, and first of all, I want to share a little bit of my background. Sure. So I've been a teacher as well in, uh, in the early 99s. <laughs> yeah. And um, and I was a teacher, Spanish teacher. I started as a Spanish teacher. And then um, later after that, as a coordinator of the accreditations, that's where I learned um, all the highest accreditation in the nation. And um, one thing that I realized, especially because I'm talking about my career as a court as as an educator a um always wanted to give the best education for whatever i do to whoever i give and um and i couldn't done it without that formal professional development and what it formed me and what it helped me to be a better uh, teacher a better director better coordinator and now a a founder but um i think um taking classes and the in Harvard University with Professor Howard Garner and I study a little bit more in depth of the the multiple intelligences and how important are in life like you talked previously it's important because we don't know but we all have those nine, nine intelligences we talk about the social aspect it's so important because the social emotional and uh, interpersonal and intrapersonal intelligence is what it helps the child um um, shape the personality and the person is going to be later on especially because the uh, we naturally born uh, with the social um necessity and we need others to really understand our society and now understand uh, how best we could learn those social skills and um and and learn from them um i study a lot uh Vygotsky. lewis Vygotsky is actually one of my first sociologists he's a sociologist and um he studied about social constructivism so social constructivism is learning from 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 I, I will say from the rest of the classmates for instance so they say that the learning comes to times from the outside to inside and from the inside to outside so when the students get more opportunities to socialize to exp- to do the exp- the learning experiences in a very small groups and in a cooperative learning and collaboration they have more opportunities to to discover different perspectives and to revisit different perspectives from other students and they build that 
international mind and to have and as well develop all this social skills like be more empathized with things that happen in that in that small group and they cannot understand if it's not exposed outside when it's outside it's that the learning it's it's like sharing things that happen and they construct that meaning for something they already know and later they add new knowledge and extend that knowledge and then they take it intrinsically which is internal and and when they feel confident that ownership of that learning it's fundamental and it's there then they express it that means it comes out so that means they have it for life because they can uh, it it happened twice since they already have it from the intern internally to outside means that they can share it with the rest of the classmates or be more role models of the things that they have learned because it's it's an ownership they they constructive that's what is social constructive they need the rest of the classmates to learn from from them and expose you learn from each other by being in small groups totally by paying attention to the people that are close to you instead of one person making you all the same taking Mm -hmm. the same direction Yes. So that social awareness and empathy for your other students who learn different than you, well, you have to work together. Exactly. And that's more like how real life is. And you and the amazing part is everything you just described sounds like you're describing it for an amazing college. But you're doing this with preschool kids. Yes. And and how how many people do you think could have possibly understood that? Like it's very deep and knowledgeable what you're what you're doing for them, and it's and I'm I'm glad you explained it because we see Diego. So he was three mm-hmm. when he started. I was nervous like other people where he doesn't speak any Spanish, and I ask you, "Hey, is he gonna be okay? Is this is all Spanish?" And you said, mm-hmm. "Don't worry, they pick it up so fast, you won't believe it." And I was. I was, we came to Austin looking specifically for Spanish immersion only. I said, that's where I want the kids to go. That's our family's, you know, part of our family. His grandparents speak Spanish. His mom speaks Spanish. It's important for cultural roots for me. It started there. And then there's long, there's so many articles and literature on what dual language does to the mind. And how it increases concentration, it increases empathy. And I thought, how can speaking Spanish and English make you more empathetic? And I never really thought about it until, okay, if I don't speak Spanish and I go somewhere, I subconsciously expect everybody to understand me. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to understand them. But if I did speak Spanish and English, and I go somewhere at the language that I don't understand, they will, you know, at the same time, I can empathize and say, oh, I know what it's like to not know how to speak, and they'll try and help you mm-hmm. understand. But being single language, you just kind of shut it down. And uh, Diego has, so Diego started at three. He's now almost eight oh because of your school, and we'll get into the IB, NAEYC, PYP, Regio Media, and Dual Immersion 
you know, Spanish immersion, that's, that's a lot of things going on that yeah. kids really absorb and take with them for the rest of their lives. And now Diego, that's five years later. Here he is. We're doing this podcast. We're exploring the world. We're learning from our community. And he's got me on this path to understanding education. And I'm so proud of him. And he's written a couple questions for you. Okay. He would like to. So first, Diego, say hello. And you can read your questions. And thank Miss Adriana for being here. <laughs> okay. Um, so the first one I have is how is it like to own a school? Wow, it's a, it's a huge responsibility. Um, especially that you really create something for the needs of the community and that you see that um, it reflects so much you work on the children's education and especially how they take all the the new outcomes that we put into the school like for instance myself i um i'm an active uh, director as well and i love to be very involved in the classrooms getting to know every single student in my school and um and build that beautiful perspective of respectful minuses from the whole school community and it's it's a difficult job it's it's difficult you take a lot of stress because definitely you know you the pacemaker you know those pacemakers that it goes like a like a clock so you want to make sure every single piece is working because you kind of like a behind the scenes and you make sure everybody's doing well so the product of in this in this case the quality of education that we offer at the school it's it's great and it's good for the students and it's needed for the children so one of the things that i feel it's it's number one is a key is responsibility i think building that very strong sense of responsibility of what we have to do in the school no matter if it's two o'clock in the morning or three o'clock we know it has to be done because our students deserve the best education and as educators we have to respect that and, and take it into consideration. Every single student deserves the best education. So it's a lot of in our hands to make sure teachers doing their job, turning their lesson plans, following their lesson plans, following the, the daily routines, make sure parents um, checking in the students. You know, like um, it's kind of like that type of job in the morning. You want to build beautiful relationship with every single member in the school but at the same time you kind of like the sergeant you do checking you make sure and it and it's hard because you don't want to be hard on anyone but you do know that's your responsibility to run the school and the best practice that you can do for the children for the school community and the second one is like um uh like 
why did what like why did you want to own a school like okay so sensei that's a great question diego <laughs> i'm very um excited first of all because my former student is asking me questions and having this full interview it just made me goosebumps <laughs> have goosebumps it's so cool and and inspire um yeah well um let me share with you since i was five i always want to be a teacher and it was kind of like the fighting sometimes with my parents because teachers don't make much money you know the teachers um were hard it's a lot of hard working but unfortunately that's that's how it is you know we want them to have good salaries and and the best for their families so my dad really was concerned about that and and he said you sure you want to be a teacher and it's like yes i want to be a teacher with no doubt and i fight it so much until i really was a teacher so <laughs> and when i decide to open the school first of all i want to do all the roles that any owner can do to understand how to open a school and what the responsibility take you to do that. And um, so being a teacher and getting to know the classmates, all the needs and the teacher's duties and everything a teacher can do to do their, um, their best for the children and then as a coordinator, coordinating all the teachers, make sure they do their jobs, and then taking to another level, learning about accreditation. So I work in international school, and it helped me to gather the most important um, skills to work in international school is languages. So speaking other languages, it was a huge need. So I was in the perspective of 70 French, 10% is English and 10% um, and 20% Spanish. So it was, um, it, it was a good opportunity for me to see that learning multiple languages does not slow any ability for any student. I, I would think it's the opposite, actually. It benefits in many cognitive aspects, and it helps them to understand the world differently. And they appreciate all their different cultures, all their different perspectives, and they take in, and when they, when other students talk about ideas or talk about different things to share to the classroom, they really, um, see from another perspective and they respect those ideas uh, because everybody thinks different and they have the right to think different. And, um, so having all those um, aspects in consideration for me to open an, a, a school, um, um, I got a scholarship for um, like mini MBA. So learning a, a little bit about businesses and how you run this. So I used to, and in that time, I used to be a teacher. So studying at night, go, taking my two children. In that case, uh, Jasmine was five and Leo was seven. So I was still taking them with me at night and go to those courses and finishing. And they prepare me to do like, um, like a special business business plan to understand how to open a business and their responsibilities that you have to take and um and then I say well 
I learned uh, very well my role to be a teacher and the um, coordinator and then the director and then now I can take it to another level. Maybe open the school that I always dream will be fully Spanish immersion. Um, and yes, add some Spain, add some French and some Mandarin. And um, so that way the students get to know other languages. But always in consideration of um, having the strongest languages is Spanish. So build that foundation strongly. So later on in three or more years, they can adjust well with other languages, just like very normal and switch back and forth to one another. Mm-hmm. And then Diego, in his Spanish class at school, the Spanish teacher said, oh, his pronunciation, wait a minute, he speaks Spanish, so she now sends extra homework for this guy because his pronunciation is so good and he's, you know, he retained so much. Like when he goes in there, it's now only two hours a week, mm-hmm. but so she gives some extra projects here and there to, for him to do more because she's very proud of his Spanish, how much he understands, how much he can speak, even though it's not immersion anymore. And even me, like I look at the old homework, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, he would like both the kids were so fluent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so we really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Will. So we're going to stop for one second. I'm going to let, I'm going to release Diego to go skateboarding. <laughs> so let's pause for one second. Okay, so Diego's out of here. Now we can talk about him. <laughs> no, well, but, but really, like, because of your school, because you have International Baccalaureate, which is, are, are you the only preschool inter, international baccalaureate in Austin? In Austin, I think for private, we have, like, th- there are only three schools, and then they have a couple of public schools with the IB okay, accreditation. So- so one of three yes. in the whole city. But and we are one of the top 10 best international schools in the whole nation. I, I can saw, tell you that. <laughs> I saw your, this is three years in a row on Newsweek. Yes. Third year in a row for top IB schools. Third year. And, and it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of effort, especially because you, you know, keeping the quality and the opportunities uh, that we, you know, prepare for the students and all these learning experiences with the Reggie Mail Inspire. Mm-hmm. It just helped the students to drive that learning differently than other Ivy schools. Because um, I think the international school aspect is great because it, it helped them to build that responsibility of their own learning. But it's a framework. It's the heart of the curriculum. But we always need a vehicle to drive that learning. Mm-hmm. And then we picked Reggie Melia as having that inspiration of the 100 language of exploration. Okay, and so having wait, so, no, so Reggio Melia, you go every year to Italy. Yes. Because it's a big part of their curriculum, right? Exactly. It's and like. So if you were, so just briefly explain what Reggio Melia is. Because tell me if I don't understand it. I don't understand it fully, but this is my basic understanding. It's like. An appreciation for nature, an appreciation for that being a part of your environment Mm -hmm. and that them literally touching leaves and plants reminds them that, hey, you're not, it's not just the all human world. 
to be taken advantage of. They need to know, oh, like plants are part of life and you should respect that. Right? Yes. Some of your words are exactly what it describes a little bit of Regimalia. But if we take it back to the uh, to the 50s, where it was the Second War, so at, in Italy, they didn't have anything besides uh, natural resources. So those natural resources help the students to build the sustainability of the environment. So just like recycling, having mm -hmm. the opportunities to, um, um, you know, like be more appreciating, appreciating with the, um, with the environment, with the natural uh, environment and the beauty of the nature. But at the same time, it just helped them to build that conceptual mind of expressing anything they want to express in different ways. That's what it calls the 100 language. So give me one example. Like, for instance, if the students, they're learning about houses how houses changing uh, change over time okay and the students just different stations to develop that unit of inquiry in each station it has a different language in instance the is station one uh -huh. it has the lighting table the right of light it just gives the opportunity to to be more visual thinking about why it's on the uh, lighting table and touching and seeing through and thinking more in depth of one aspect, which is what the houses are made. So they have different resources and that lighting table, like wood, like it could be cement, it could be like different type of, um, you know, plastics, any other items. So they visualize all those different types of artifacts and they make a special concept map of what they have observed and they retaliate uh, that okay these are the artifacts that we know the houses are made with different types of materials and and it depends on which country because we see houses around the world not just one type of house and it just extend their mind and wonder and through lighting But if in another station is more in the uh, intelligence of the naturalistic aspect, so they have a lot of different types of leaves and they create in a house with different types of leaves, different types of, um, I will say, like, um, um, you know, all these fall beautiful treasures that we're having from the trees, right. like the acorns, like um, all these different types. So they, they use those nat natural resources to build a house. And then after they design their own house, so they have the ability not just to revisit all those different types of uh, resources or materials, but as well to think how they're going to build their house. And it's just going to have one, one, two windows, three windows, one door. So they integrate different, con different um, subject areas. So it's more transdisciplinary because those disciplines, they get more integrate and and it converts us more holistically so at the end you see the results that the student wasn't not just making things it's just having the mindset of 
understanding that life is about expressing in different ways your idea. And in that idea, it has to be extended so it could be more knowledgeable and it could have more opportunities to revisit of that information to what they have done and continue revisit. So that's another language to express. So that's what they call the 100 language. So Carla Rinaldi, who is, uh, I will say, is a co-founder as Lori Malaguchi passed away uh, two decades. So Carla Rinaldi, who is is a former um, president of the Regia Emilia, Loris Malaguchi, Italy. So uh, if we study a little bit of her perspective of how we um, approach the learning and selecting the materials, um, planning ahead of time, those stations according to the child's needs and that exploration through this nature base and the conceptual base and the holistic piece. It's just, it's just, it's, it sounds, it's a huge bomb. It you sounds know? anti-American. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm kidding. Like, you, what, you want the kids to think for themselves? unbelievable i'm saying like that that's one of a hundred languages where in my school would be like here's the paper everybody gets the same paper everybody cuts it out we're making this little house you make it look like this everybody be the same anybody who doesn't conform loses which means you get a bad grade that's what we do and what you're saying is you're teaching them to actually think to be creative yeah, you can build your own house. You can build it with different stuff. Use your mind. Don't just don't limit yourself. Yeah, and, it's, and that's beautiful. And I feel sometimes with the traditional schools or either public schools, um, they just think the students they just like they're gonna listen whatever you said. But we as a teachers, we function more like facilitators, right. not like a teacher role or more facilitating that learning, facilitating the resources. The more resourceful is a learning experience with artifacts, with question um, keys that we have, a key concepts that they question them. It just give a more wonder mind and give the opportunity to, to build that ownership and right. social constructive that knowledge from the outside to inside that we talk about about Vygotsky, right. how the the double way to learn. <laughs> so that's one level. So to to repeat, so that's Regio Emilia. We spoke a little bit about IB, you know, yes. baccalaureate, and then you also have Spanish. So we talked that the Spanish helps your mind. It helps you understand, be empathetic, and more versatile in the world overall. And then it's the schools also NAEYC. Now, why there's only a few schools that are pre-K? Yes, actually, in the whole nation, only five percent of the schools are NAEYC. We are the only Spanish immersion in Austin, and I'm sure, and uh, as is, as the only one to be NAEYC. National Association of Joe Children of Education. They just bring the quality, the highest quality, because our teachers are real teachers who teach the students, who build those different highest standards to bring in the classroom. We're not managed by the 
um, low standards from the state. We manage by the highest standards from Washington, D.C. So you get to see the classroom setting is according to the child's needs. Yeah, I looked up the the website just to see, you know, what it takes to get the accreditation. And then I saw the 10 levels and the process. I was like blown away. So that's like some schools might only have that one thing. Because because it looked pretty time demanding to it's intense and it's a it's a lot of work with the teachers because they need to build build their profiles, the classroom portfolios, and revisit all these different standards in the classroom. Make sure they're all covered, and those high standards is not easy. It's not for every school. So, uh, you choose NAEYC is the highest accreditation because you want it to have the accreditation to build those standards, the high standards for the students because those are the different aspects that your child needs to grow healthy, to have a safe environment, to have this opportunity to think and to have, um, you know, uh, teachers who are formed, there are teachers and as well that the school community is involved because Parents, they take a huge role. They're actives. They're actives in the child's lives. So we need to make sure they are part of the um, Project Amelia uh, and the NAYC and the PYP. So we constantly do workshops to help them build um, different ways to approach that learning at home, how to take an action, how to be a PYP parent uh, at home. So PYP's primary years program, right? Correct. And that's a different... Yes, so accreditation too. You ex- have to get exactly approved. the international baccalaureate has three different levels: the PYP, which is the primary years, it goes three to twelve, and then we have the NYP, which is the middle school, and then the DP, which is the high school diploma. Okay. So we are NYP and we are accredited all the way to to fifth grade. So the PYP is part of IB. Exactly. For that age group. Exactly. Just for that age group. And even if we are a PYP from three and up, we start PYP since they're one-year-olds. They have the genitive inquiry, and they also develop these different ways of stations and different ways of learning. And they approach that learning uh, through Reggie Amelia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Sophia was six months when she started. Right? Yes. So mm-hmm. then she we were there for two years. So, you know, she was what, one and a half, maybe almost two. Mm-hmm. She's now four in it, you know, four and a half, if you ask her. <laughs> but her her vocabulary is shocking. Like it's inc- it's so vast. Like she comes home, she's like, oh, I was, you know, perforating and I didn't make it quite perfect, but I'm going to enhance my my. um what does she call it? Her not her complicated work, but her challenging work. I was working on some challenging work today because I wanted to push myself. And this this is a four year old. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and she's she's very aware. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's because she was so young, touching all those materials, part of the regio. I think she really is more aware of her surroundings than other kids, and I, at the same age. And Diego too, like they're, they don't just like put blinders on. Mm-hmm. They really like assess and look around and, you know, look at their environment first before they start 
you know, doing whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was trying to connect, you know, bringing here because like they were so little and I'm seeing like, how does it impact them later? And because of your school in the IB, I didn't even know what IB was. I never heard of it. I just wanted a Spanish school. That was like our end. We're so happy that we found you. And then I learned, I was like, oh, so they're, you're teaching them to think for themselves to mm-hmm. they can have a conversation with the teacher instead of like hey i'm the teacher y'all are the kids sit down be quiet and listen to me lecture that's how school it and i'm like yeah you're not ready they're lecturing is for college that's that's wrong and then now that from learning about ib now they're in headwaters which is montessori mm-hmm. which will turn into ib and i'm my plan is to keep them there to finish IB mm-hmm. and and something more interesting, like I looked at um, a bunch of graduates of IB schools and I said, you know, because a lot of people say, man, what am I supposed to do? Like, you know, I got to pay this whole time. They could just go to public school or, you know, and not to bash, but there's great public schools too. Mm-hmm. But the difference between this education and that is I said, you know what? I don't want to hear from the parents. I want to hear from the kids. So I went on YouTube and I watched at least a dozen IB graduates. Maybe their moms and dads made them do the video. I don't know. But I watched them and I was impressed. The It was that, you know, they all had time management skills that they said made them feel more prepared. They, you know, so, so I'm saying starting IB that little all the way, I, you know, I'm, who knows who these kids will become, but they have better time management skills. They had better um, understanding for what's happening and more empathy for their other students. They were able to, they said college was easier than school. Like the, the amount of work that you had, you do have the kids doing at, at the school. And sometimes I'm like, wow, can they really handle all that work? But they did. And you, you know what they can handle. And we parents don't know we're trying to baby them too much and and I was guilty of it too like no you're you're overstressing their little minds but no that's what they're for and, and mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so yeah especially because they prepare them um to take a leadership in the world yeah you never know they're going to be presidents or you know senators or taking a a, a very important role to help the society, to help the, the the community, the world communities, and uh, and I think what I be just make them conscious that it's so there are people that it needs it needs you, and you can make the difference in different ways. So find a way to support your world community. So I be teach you to having that concept of the world has different needs. And sometimes we just don't see that. We ignore signs mm-hmm. of like a call saying, hey, I need your help. So it teach them very young. So when they're in middle school, they're taking projects like helping or building a foundation for a specifically um, philanthropy opportunity. And, um, and they, you know, share what they did to either fundraise money to build a school or anything. That's what we did. Um, I think it was back in 2000. 
2015-2016. So we support an African um, in Arusha. They were needing especially um, an orphanage, a, um, a school. So our students, they were conscious about how people live in Africa and they created different ways to fundraise money or to be, you know, big sale or anything that they bring those ideas to the assemblies and later on it turned amazing that they send us all those pictures to thank us it's like thank you Austin Eco Bilingual School this is our school and then it shows the school with all these children around and it just made them feel like wow we did that so I guess they don't take that uh, I guess vision until you see it done you know, because they just, they're just fundraising, they're doing things, they're being active. But when they see it done, it's like, well, that was my leadership and, and my support and my empathize to this community. So it's good that I put all my work, all my effort. So good results. Nice. So when you see the product, when mm-hmm. you're just like, wow, I did that? <laughs> Huge <laughs> surprise. <laughs> so IV definitely just help them be more responsible of their learning, but as well to the world. That's so, so cool. Ex- you're going to keep doing projects like that? Yes, definitely. Yeah. So we have in a new, um, this year we're going to do the, uh, the San Jutes. Um, we fundraising a special, um, well, it's, it's money for them, uh, to help them, um, you know, for, for children who has leukemia. And, um, so the students, they made assemblies of what they can do to support these children. So they get to see videos of their stories. Oh, and, cool. and sometimes they're a little bit touched and sad, mm-hmm. but, Sometimes we need that. We need the students to, to sensibilize of things that are happening in the world. And we just absent of not listening these things. So it's good that they're doing at John H. And as well, we're doing LIMS, which is L-I-M-B-S. LIMS, what it does is just do the protect, pro, uh, oh, the prosthetics. The prosthetics, okay. exactly. The prosthetics uh, for children in Latin America who don't have. And then, um, so the students are conscious of that. So we're going to continue this October. They're going to sell socks to support the uh, limbs. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. So I think about like six packages. They just build one leg, one for, um, and then it's just. It's so you, just so you contribute and then it, it goes towards the cost of the prosthetic? Exactly. Okay. Have you seen those uh, machines that sense your your mind's uh, nervous nervous system? And it's for people in a wheelchair that are, their legs don't work at all. Mm-hmm. The machine, like they think, I want to stand up. And the machine like, and it stands them up. And they, they're thinking, walk forward. And the machine picks up their legs Oh and my allows gosh. them to walk. And uh, I was watching videos the other day. Randy, like, the guy's like, I feel like I'm floating. Because they don't, they, he cannot feel from the waist down. He's been in a wheelchair for his whole life. And now he's walking with his machine. You know, it's motor, motoring him around. But he's like, I'm, I feel like my half of my body is just like floating around. But in 10 years time, the prosthetics and things that come out is mm-hmm. going to be 
totally intertwined with how your mind works. And that won't, you won't even notice a difference. Yes, definitely. And especially because the technology is just growing so much. And, and the students, they are into technology. They're, they're cybers. They're <laughs> the high-tech students. They really love to be um, resourceful and computers. And I think um, I didn't, I didn't, in my um, years as educator, we didn't have the, um, I guess, opportunity. And uh, I'm glad that the students, they are very fully um, into technology. But I think... I think what they're learning at your school and, you know, continuing that way, that, that emotional intelligence, that connection to each other, thinking from the ground is because whatever you can learn, like someone could just look in their phone, mm-hmm. you know, if a teacher says, Hey, this is what happened in 1820, whatever. You're like, maybe let me look at my phone and check it. And then they start to not like you question people more where work can get done. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the empathy for people and the social awareness, the more we use machines, the less you understand how to talk to each other and work with each other. Totally. So learning how to learn and work with each other is more important than any test you could take or any grade you could try and get. Like, hey, can you work with people and not lose your mind? Uh Do you know how to be patient and listen to someone? Those are going to be the skills that are more important, I think. Yes, definitely, the social skills. And um, what you were talking about, the importance of the students to have that sensibility of, you know, be a, be a good classmate, be a good communicator, right. reflect what you do, be a tinker, be creative, you know, collaborate with the rest of the classmates and uh, bring new opportunities to learn each other. Oh, wait, so some of you just said, so the reflection... So I remember when the kids were there, I was like, the reflection why, journals, why, the reflection journal. And at first I was like, why are they reflecting? And then I read recently Dale Carnegie's book, uh, how to worry and start living. Mm-hmm. It's a bad title, but it basically sums it up. Mm-hmm. He says it more eloquently. It's a great book. He's like, every great leader, every great thinker reflects on themselves and the more you reflect on yourself, the more you're aware of where you need to fix your shortfalls and where you're strong. And you're like, well, is it that strong or do I think it's strong? And unless you really look at yourself, even as a grown up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you don't look at yourself and reflect on your day, on your week, on your year, you just go through mindlessly and miss all of life. So I thank you for that. And I apologize that I didn't really grasp what the reflection journal was (laughs) a long time ago. But then after I thought about it and read the book, I was like, oh, it's just I didn't understand that how important it was Mm -hmm. that you started that young, but then to still do it. I think the International Baccalaureate just support so much about the the reflection aspect because the students, they need to take the opportunity to look back of their actions and right. how are done and how better you can improve your actions. And, you know, through that reflection, it's going to make you think better and think twice or three times, you know, right. before you have the action. So we always have the choice and then we have action and then reflection. 
choice, action, reflection. It's like a cycle. And, and if the students have the opportunity to follow that cycle and um, reflect constantly on their actions, they become better people. Yeah, I read somewhere, I might be wrong, but I definitely read it or whoever wrote it, but somebody wrote that Ben Franklin did a reflection journal every night. He would write down everything that he did wrong in that day for um, two years. Not his whole life, but for two years, every day he wrote, every time he was at the store or wherever he was, anything I said that was wrong or anything that he did that he wasn't happy with, he wrote all the things that he did wrong that day for two years. (laughs) And after the two years... He was a totally changed person that he felt, okay, now I'm ready to do my real work. So he spent all that time working on himself. Then he's like, okay, now I'm going to, I feel like I'm ready to go do my thing. I'm going to hang that kite and put that key. No, I don't know. (laughs) You know, whatever he did. (laughs) Well, that's a great advice. We need to take the opportunity of Benjamin Franklin. (laughs) Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. Yes, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, we'd love to have that reflection journal. I was trying to reflect things that I do. Like, no, Adriana, don't do it. Don't. don't you already do. You already done it. <laughs> trying to have that mind to <laughs> assess you. <laughs> so I'm always curious. Do you like? What do you do to exercise? And is there any foods that you eat that you're like? Here's how I feel my mind. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I spin? yeah, I do the uh, the spinning class okay. uh, every weekend, so Saturdays and sa- and Sundays, Whoa. and I'm trying to add the Tuesday and Thursdays too. So we'll see how it goes next week. <laughs> Four <laughs> this, days a week. That's a lot of days. So we'll see. <laughs> but it helps my mind, especially to to have more opportunities to relax and appreciate the timing with my family and come fresh on the morning on a monday morning and i guess it's it's good it's good we need to have a life yeah in a healthy life and healthy living and good lifestyle and eating well so i love eating well the more gluten-free and vegan i'm into that and trying to have new um ways to eat at home especially with my children because they're already teenagers so <laughs> they don't listen that well yeah. and uh, <laughs> but uh, we I, I try to to eat healthy yes definitely it's a healthy mind that's right yeah it's like if, if you're out stressed out and you don't do anything to alleviate the stress do you do you meditate or do any of that mindfulness practice? I do that all the time. And sometimes I need to take a full bath and then that's my opportunity to think and to, um, my aha mama, <laughs> my aha moments. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I've been doing it more. We took a class with one of the kids' parents. We oh. took a four weekend meditation class. Mm-hmm. And I, I did it a little here and there, but I never really learned. Mm-hmm. And then learning some tools and doing it a little more. And it's like, you know, I had one amazing vision thing that you're like, yeah, I'm doing this the right way. And then you learn later. That's not even the goal. Mm-hmm. The goal is to sit down and listen to the nonsense that is in your mind. And then once you notice, oh, that's what I'm actually thinking about. Mm-hmm. You can kind of release it. 
you know, and let go of it. But if you don't ever stop and you hear all the chatter in your your own mind, it's still bouncing around and you're not really paying attention. Yeah, to block. You just yeah. like, okay, you need that to release somewhere <laughs> sometime. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, it's needed. <laughs> so what else is going on? Just running two schools you have seven thousand and twenty two kids <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we actually opening a new school soon really? it's actually um no thank you um uh, our not location we've been older enough and uh, and that location so we'll be moving to a new fresh location that we oh, are so you're gonna just move pursuing. to a new building ex new building okay, exactly nice. so we're in that process we're All looking right. for places and um having ideas and we want to do it very eco-friendly and um it's just keeping keeping us busy oh that's good <laughs> thank all that so that's a that's a good news at the north location deserve to have their own location okay we've been renting for already 10 years so we're ready to move on nice. <laughs> and have the new the new location for that specific location so that's awesome we busy we recently last year we did the uh, international baccalaureate evaluation so they came and did the evaluation from um some of the assessors they came to the school a couple of days and okay. they revisited everything with the teachers and parents and and children um for the south for the south and um at the north we continue uh candidates okay and um we is it was very nice in in the north location had recreation for naeyc okay. so it was a very top year I bet. because it was two different accreditations two different locations and almost at the same time <laughs> it was very hard <laughs> to do but um i think it went in a very very uh, good way and everything went well, well so just took so much effort yeah but it will paid off at the end so that's how we see it now <laughs> it's paid off <laughs> so uh, first of all thank you so much for having me today of course and um i'm so flattered to see diego uh how he is extending his mind and and taking a huge role to getting to know his communities and how he could be supported to those communities and um and i'm here for anything y'all need that's good thank you i think like the i mean you totally changed the way like i said the schools are gonna go to and what i they were that they're gonna learn how they're gonna learn like the whole you know from where you were in, the, in your school mm-hmm. i'd be now in montessori he was because he had to get evaluated he had to spend two days to see if he would get accepted mm-hmm. to the school and they assess him with two different teachers for two full days and they said wow where where did he go to school before this like he's a perfect fit for mm-hmm. our school our curriculum you know it's hard to go from sometimes public then to montessori because it's mm-hmm. very distracting mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. kids but from coming from your school they were like oh he's like a perfect fit he's you know aware he's mindful patient mm-hmm. empathetic he, you can tell he thinks uh, about what he's doing, mm-hmm. all important. And so they, you know, they accept. And so it made it easier for him to make that transition. And uh, we were worried, like, oh, he's been only in Spanish. 
and now he's going to an English school, and he reads, you know, because he was reading in full Spanish、mm-hmm. at your school, yeah, and then he switched to all English. So he was still like pronounce, you know, sometimes pronouncing like an I, like an E or whatever. But within a month, it was like, boom, he's reading, and now he's reading. You know, we go through a couple books a week. He, they have a big library, and he reads a lot. And Sophia is actually starting to read, and it's like, and, they, and the same thing. Like she went from there, to, and they said, oh, she's like she's learning. In a similar fashion, you know, to、mm-hmm. learn from each other, the small groups, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's incredible. But the five years that are the most important in life, and、um, and anything that you can do to support that learning in that environment to、mm-hmm. promote in a very、um, stimulating way is the best because they just. Little sponges, so they learn anything, and if you do it in a way that it's more naturalistic, more holistic, more organic, more opportunities for them to approach their own learning, and they have that potential, so they reach that potential. So, very happy to hear that they're doing well. <laughs> oh yes, very well. Well, thank you again for coming. So, so it's Austin Eco Bilingual School. And then you have Instagram. Yes, so we have Austin Eco Bilingual School Instagram, and, and as well,、website. and、um, it's Austin Eco, it's Austin dot com. Austin Bilingual School dot com, and there's lots of links and information on there. Some links, and、uh, if you need a tour or visit the school, just don't hesitate to call us. All right,、Contact. thank you again so much. Thank you, Corey. Take care.